Hello and welcome to Labor Pains Podcast. I am your host, Teresa Reiniger. I am so glad that you are here. If you are here for the very first time, welcome. I am so glad that you have found me. Um, And if you have been here before with me, welcome back to our community. This is a place where I strive to help women and men that are experiencing struggles with infertility, loss of a child during pregnancy or infancy, and we also, I want to help you with the heavy grief that are associated with those. I create space here for stories to be shared and connections to happen. Your happiness is very important to me, and it is also important to me that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do me a couple things. I would love for you to first connect with me on social media, both on Instagram and Facebook. I am at Living After Grief and also at Women Connect and Support. We share different information and resources on both of those platforms, so connect on both. Again, Living After Grief, and the other one is Women Connect and Support, both Instagram and Facebook. And then next, I would love to hear your feedback and suggestions on the podcast. You can do one of two things, um, different things to get in contact with me. You can message me on Instagram or Facebook, We'll definitely see it there. Or you can go to my website at livingaftergrief.com and click on the link to schedule a time to talk. I would love to hear from you. I would love to hear feedback and suggestions that you may have for the podcast. And I would love to allow you to share your story. And if you have had a loss, I would love to hear about your baby. Hey, I would like to share with you really quick before we get into the episode for today that as a grief coach, I work with clients that are experiencing struggles with infertility, early or late miscarriages, stillbirths, or infant loss. After such profound loss, a woman desires to feel whole again for her family, friends, and most of all, for herself. To experience grief in a healthy way, One has to learn how to navigate through it. It takes time to learn how to live in the new normal. A coach like myself can help you in ways loved ones may not be able to. I am here to walk alongside you to find the hope, laughter, and joy in your life again without the blame and the guilt. I have a better understanding of grief and the necessary mixture of human emotions that come with it and push through to engage in life again so you can so I can help you navigate through those triggers that are keeping you locked inside physically and emotionally life can and will be good again so if you would like to set up a time with me i would love to talk to you just click the link on my website at www.livingaftergrief.com to schedule a time to talk over the phone. And I look forward to hearing from you soon.
Hello, Casey. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and looking forward to sharing my story. Yeah, I am so glad that we were able to get connected and that we're able to, you're able to, to join me today to, like we had talked about previously, just to share your story, to give some other people some some hope and let them know that they're not alone. So before we get into your entire story, all of that, if you can share with the listeners who Casey is. Well, sure. Uh, I am a working mother and wife, uh, 37 years old. My husband and I have been married for six years now, I think. I'm never the best at remembering that. (laughs) And uh, we have a beautiful and very spirited five-year-old daughter. Uh, So blessed to have her. Um, But, you know, we have been struggling with secondary infertility since 2018. So we're pushing four years now with our journey. Okay. And so no trouble um, conceiving or anything with your five-year-old? No, we did not. We did not. I would know maybe a month or two of, you know, actively trying and, you know, very lucky. I had a very easy pregnancy, no complaints at all, very easy delivery. My daughter was healthy, um, you know, and we like to think she's very smart as well, you know. So we're just (laughs) really lucky, really, really lucky the first time around. Yeah. Wow. And then you decided that you wanted to have a second, and that's when things started to change, huh? And it is common. I mean, not. Um, I don't think a lot of times people understand that secondary infertility is very real. Yeah. Um, you know, and hard to understand. I mean, big, yeah. It is. It almost makes it a little harder because it's like, well, why was it so easy the first time, you know? And mm-hmm. and I never even, you know, obviously went before you get caught up in all of this and before you ha- have experienced these things yourself, I think you're just a little bit naive to it. You don't realize, I didn't even know that it was a thing. You know, you just assume if I have a kid one time, why can't I have a kid another time, you know? Yeah. Um, Logic. That makes logical sense to me, like you yeah. should be able to, but it doesn't work that way all the time. Yeah, unfortunately mm-hmm. it doesn't. And, I'm, you know, it might have been a little bit before my daughter turned two. You know, we we knew, we always knew we wanted uh, two kids, you know, even kind of talked about maybe having three, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And so it was probably a right around a little bit before my daughter turned two and we decided to start trying again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obviously, I've got to get back off birth control, and I'm a very um, data-driven person, and so I've always been um, really in tune with the logging and the tracking. I had the app on my phone, and they've got Mm -hmm. all of this that you can do from tracking your cycle and your basal body temperature, and, you know, obviously, you can get the um, ovulation test, the OPKs, and all of that, and I jumped right in and was right out of the gate just you know, logging and tracking and logging and tracking and timing and, you know, just every little thing that I thought was the right thing for me to do. And, um, you know, a year goes by and still nothing. And I'm just like, oh, you know, man, that's odd. And obviously, you know, I kind of thought, well, you know, we're getting a little older. Maybe there was something there. There were times throughout that first year where we had taken breaks, you know, just to kind of give ourselves a mental break 
But at that point, we had not reached out for any help from any specialists. Okay. I think it was probably uh, end of 19 uh, or early 2020, you know, so we're a little over a year into it when we finally decided to reach out to a fertility specialist that I was referred to from my OB. and. You know, you sit down and you meet with these folks, and there's a lot of those preliminary things that you have they have you go through. My husband and I both got uh, full genetic testing to make sure that we weren't a carrier of anything. Um, you know, my husband uh, gave his semen sample to make sure that everything was good on his end, and I was, you know, had a full checkup internally. You know, make sure your tubes are clear, and you know, just the full the full yeah. And everything looks good. So we're like, okay, well, you know, what do we want to do next? And I think, you know, a lot of people hear IVF, and I feel like that's Mm -hmm. probably the one that people are maybe most familiar with from an acronym or a terminology standpoint. Um, But for us in the beginning, you know, it's a lot of money, and it's a a much more intense, invasive process. And we were... Mm -hmm thinking, oh, well, you know, it was so easy the first time. Maybe we'll start with IUI. And, you mm-hmm. know, for those that don't know what that stands for, it's intrauterine insemination. So really it's um, it's a bit like timed intercourse, like you would do on your own, but you have assistance from the doctors, both from a medication standpoint to, you know, help make sure, A, you are ovulating, and then, B, they want to time when that egg is released and make sure that they're putting, you know, the best, strongest sperm inside you at that exact moment. Um, mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, you the, the sperm still has to find the egg. You know, it all still has to happen on its own and, you know, become fertilized and in, implant into the uterus. And so because it was a lot cheaper, we're like, well, let's try this, you know. Yeah. So, so we did it one time. Um, this was, I guess, an early... 2020, I believe, didn't work. And, you know, we're like, oh, shoot, you know, and this was, you know, I think if you want to go back to the early, the first year of us trying on our own, of course, even that component of it can kind of wear on you because it's like month after month, Mm -hmm. tracking and waiting and counting. And then you think, okay, this is it. And every little thing in your body, I think, you know, as women, you just, every little twinge and, and, and cramp and, and tinkle and whatever, you know, you think, oh, maybe this is it. Maybe my boobs mm-hmm. are growing or maybe I got some cramps, you know. And I'm obvious, I'm also a little bit of like a psycho Googler, uh, so <laughs> I probably know more than I should. But anyhow, we did it once, did not work, um, you know, got to wait another month before you can try again. Mm-hmm. And the second time it worked and we were ecstatic, Um we got pregnant. Uh, we were so excited. We wanted to find the gender out early, so we did an early blood test to find out. We found out it was a girl. We had a gender reveal party, and we let our daughter know finally. I was, I think I was about 10 weeks along, and so we felt like, you know, we're things are looking good, you know. And, and I think the great thing when you're going to a specialist, I mean, the positive <laughs> is that you do have those ultrasounds every week. So you're going in every week always very nervous. I think, you know, you always are going to have your guard up. But week after week when things look good and you hear that heartbeat over and over and you see the embryo growing and and the Mm -hmm. act and all of that, you just, 
I think you start, your hope grows and you just feel like, okay, this is looking good. Everything's great. Um, and so we Absolutely. had, yeah, Absolutely. so we had a reveal party and, um, it was a girl. We were so excited. You know, we got a little gift for my daughter and she was just so excited to be a big sister. And then, <laughs> um, my fertility specialist said, okay, you know, everything's looking great, Casey, go ahead and, you know, let us know who, what your, who your OB is and we'll get all your records sent over. And so at that point I really felt like this is it where everything's great. And so waited, um, I think it was maybe about two weeks before I was able to get into my OB and we go in there. Unfortunately, this is during, you know, the height of COVID. So I had, I did have to go by myself to all of the mm-hmm. appointments, which made it a little bit harder. And, um, I go in, I met my midwife who I fell in love with, so excited to work with her. I heard amazing things about her and she couldn't find a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just laying there on the table, just <clears throat> like talking to myself in my head, like, oh my God, hey, you know, they're going to bring somebody else in. Maybe let's, you know, let's, they're just using a little handheld device. So maybe that's it. You know, you're just telling yourself you're, mm-hmm. you're preparing for the worst, but you're like holding on to every little piece of hope that's there. And unfortunately, you know, they brought in another tech and took me to another room. And unfortunately, we had lost her at that point. And so, um, you know, really, really hard. We were 12 weeks along at that point, And we just, you know, you just feel like you get the rug pulled out from under you. And, and I'll never forget that day. I remember what I wore. I remember what I, the conversations I had with the receptionist. I mean, you just can't, all those things are just burned in your mind and, I feel like I held it together pretty good uh, while I was there in the office. But, of course, I get on the elevator to go back, you know, to leave. And there's mm-hmm. a pregnant woman on there with her husband oh. just glowing. And it just killed me. And um, so I went out to my car and just sat in the parking lot and cried by myself. You know, like nobody's with me because of COVID. And um, right. it was hard. That was a hard day. Um, but we picked back up. Um, took a month off, and we said, you know what, if it worked once, let's give it another shot. You know, we were still very hopeful. We were not ready to give up. Um, so so let, me, let me yeah. let me stop you there. So sure. no heartbeat. So what, and, and if you don't want to share this, it's okay. Just let me know. Um, did the doctor encourage you? Did you do a DNC? Did you take? Uh, medication to miscarry how was how was that mm-hmm. yeah no I'm glad you asked um, that was actually a really tough call for us we okay. actually had um, a family vacation booked within a week of this appointment and mm-hmm. so I'm just thinking oh my gosh you know I should be worrying about packing and now I've got to make this decision you know do I take those the medication that they can give you to kind of help speed up the passing of the fetal tissue because at 12 weeks, I was still kind of at that window where the medication should do its job. But they tell me, you know, you're kind of on, on the cusp here. And so I also was like, well, I don't want to be on an airplane and just have oh, sure. you know, start passing all of this. <clears throat> right. I don't want to be on vacation on the beach in a swimsuit. Um, so I chose to do nothing and to cross my fingers and hope that I could get through the next week and that my body would, you know, I was going to let my body pass it on its own. And and I was basically just hoping to get through that vacation. 
and I will say, you know, um, I'm very much happy with my choice, but it was so hard to go through that week knowing that I still had this baby inside me that was no longer living. And it was kind of this weird, you know, just kind of a sad reminder there the whole time we're on vacation. Um, But anyhow, when we returned from our trip, I did schedule a DNC because at that point I, my body had not yet started to to pass the fetus. And um, so I did go in with, for the DNC procedure and luckily my mom was able to go with me and we did choose to have the fetal tissue tested and we found out that the baby had Down syndrome. Um, So, you know, I think if you want to call it a silver lining, you can, you know, obviously if we would have, that child we would have loved her and cared for her you know just like we do our daughter um Mm -hmm. but you know the way that we try to look at is you know just obviously there were some health issues and that baby just wasn't didn't have everything she needed to 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 come and and you know visit us in the real world and so Right. right So hearing that, it kind of made us feel like, okay, well, you know, maybe that was it. You know, we're both Mm -hmm. in our mid to late 30s, and, um, you know, maybe that's it. So let's keep trying. You know, we were heartbroken and devastated, but we were not ready to give up at that point. And so Mm -hmm. we, uh, the fall of 2020, um, did another IUI. You do, you know, you go through the two-week wait, nothing. We're like, all right, let's do it again. We're like, one more time. And we kind of told ourselves, you know what, if it doesn't work out, we're done. And we were, we thought we were ready to, to basically stop trying at that point. Did another IUI and, again, nothing. So mm-hmm. we've now, at this point, had been trying um, for two years. Um, you know, we did four IUIs, you know, a week pregnancy in the middle and, and the DNC there kind of in the middle of it all. And at that point, you know, we took a couple of months off and just tried to think about, um, you know, what do we want to do? And yeah. in 2021, we decided to switch doctors. Um, okay. I wouldn't think there was any particular reason. Like, we didn't necessarily have a bad experience. Um, for us, the decision was actually purely monetarily based. Um, but in doing my research, I did find that our current doctor that we're still seeing today, Dr. Simpkis, he is with Fertility Partnership out of St. Peter's, Missouri. He had great data. Um, and if anybody doesn't know this, you can go to cdc.gov and look up any fertility specialist, and they should be posting their success rates and all of their data every year how many procedures they do what kind you know was there a live birth stillbirth miscarriage all of that information is all posted on the cdc.gov wow that's great information i'm glad that you shared that that's great information for people to know yeah so you find him you found him through that we did you know i i did research and read reviews and all of that and but i you know what what i found what was wonderful and shocking to us was not only was his success rate higher than our the previous place we were going but he charged half the price as our previous facility did for a full ivf cycle Mm -hmm. and so for us that really kind of helped push us to say you know what let's go ahead and give us a shot because we were not ready to give up on growing our family. And at this point, after seeing the heartache that our daughter had at the time, um, 
I guess she was three or going on four, maybe. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was right before she turned four. We just really wanted to give her a sibling. You know, it was so much of it was for her, especially at this point. And um, so we switched doctors, met Dr. Simkis. He was absolutely wonderful. He is the most caring and uh, passionate man. Really, really love him. And so after he kind of, you know, we had all of our tests and whatnot transferred over, but he did suggest that because I had that miscarriage, he wanted me to, to have another DNC to kind of let's clear everything out. Let's make sure we're starting fresh. You know, you've got a good fresh uh, uterine lining. And then in the spring of 21, we had our first egg retrieval. And um, so let's see. Um, that was our first egg retrieval. They went in. They took nine mm-hmm. nine eggs out. And oh. um, I think of the nine, there was maybe six or seven that were mature. So you can only fertilize the mature eggs. Mm-hmm. So we fertilized, I want to say it was six or seven. I can't remember. And then you've got to let them grow, right? They're in a little dish. Right. Mm-hmm. And they've got to grow. Our facility likes to see them make it to day five before mm-hmm. a transfer, um, especially if you're going to do a frozen transfer. So you can do a fresh transfer where they uh, basically let that embryo grow, and they'll go ahead and put it right back inside of you without freezing it in that mm-hmm. same cycle. We chose to do a frozen transfer because we wanted to test our embryos. And that was based on our previous Down syndrome pregnancy. Right. That makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. And so, anyway, nine eggs, I think, you know, let's just say six were mature. So, we fertilized six. Only one made it to day five. And so, we have Mm. to make day five so they're able to pull out, you know, that small cell sampling to do the testing and and to freeze it. And, um, you know, so fingers crossed. We're like, great, we've got this one good embryo. It's got to be a strong one, right? It made it to day five, but we get the mm-hmm. test results back, and um, it was genetically abnormal. So mm. we went through the whole that whole process, and we have nothing. And mm. you know, it, it's there's a, it's just another round of heartbreak all over again. You know, it's just a lot. And so, like, right? So, yeah, middle of twenty one. Now we took a month off. We tried on our own for another month kind of give ourselves a break and then the summer of 21 we're like all right well let's get back on the wagon here we did another egg retrieval um we beefed our meds up a little bit this time to try to get some more eggs out to give us a better chance this time we had nine or excuse me 12 eggs and um five of them made it to day five so we were thinking wow this is great you know Mm. on day five to five frozen embryos sent them all out to get tested, and this time we had one normal embryo out of all of those five. And I was just like, man, it makes you feel like, it's like, God, what's wrong with me? <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah, or yeah. as a couple, or, yeah, the blame. You just, yeah, and no matter how great our test results look, and they tell you over and over, you know, nothing wrong with you guys, there's not, can't find anything, you just still feel like you're just not doing something right. You know, it's hard Sure. It's really hard to not beat yourself up. And so anyway. Well, and Yeah, and logically in your head, you know, they can say everything's good, everything they've tested, check the box, that's all good. But, mm-hmm. you know, obviously it's not all all good, you know, that mm-hmm. there's some genetic stuff and 
going on there. And so, of course, that blame and beating yourself up is going to be. Mm-hmm. We're human, so. I know. Yeah. And um, so we had that one normal embryo, and we were just ecstatic. You know, it was, mm-hmm. this was it. We really felt like this was the light at the end of the tunnel. We did the, the embryo transfer in um, September, and you've got that long two-week wait that everybody talks about, and we were pregnant. And it was another girl. We couldn't believe it. <laughs> this time, uh-huh. obviously, as we did the genetic testing, we knew the sex right away. We didn't want to find out the day of the transfer because we were kind of nervous we would be more connected to that embryo knowing the sex. So we did choose to wait to find out the sex until there was a confirmed heartbeat. Okay. Um, so uh, pregnant, we go in. I think we were maybe five weeks along. We got a heart, a subtle heartbeat at five weeks where we're, you know, getting excited, but we didn't want to get too excited. We go back for six or seven-week appointments. Um, another heartbeat. It's louder. It's stronger. We're like, okay, this is awesome. Go back again. This is now my third appointment post uh, positive pregnancy. My husband was there with me this time. Thank goodness. Yeah. And again, uh, we're hit with the devastating news um, that there was no heartbeat. Mm. We just, you just, we just couldn't believe it. You know, it's like you go through that. Um, once and it's like, well, gosh, you know, this isn't going to happen to us again, right? Mm-hmm. But it did, and so that was actually just this past November when we found out that we lost um, our second girl, and we had a name picked out. So was it about the same time? I mean, this, I, I lost track of weeks. That that's a big yeah, apartment. So. This time I was eight weeks. and so, Okay, eight weeks. So, yeah, the whole thing with, like, tracking the weeks and stuff is a little wonky when it's an IVF baby because right. it grows in that the Petri dish or whatever for so right. long. I don't even know how they figure all this stuff out. But <laughs> we were technically eight weeks, you know, measuring about eight weeks. And so um, it was, you know, it was just devastating because the, the appointment before that was when we got the envelope from the doctor with the sex. And... Um, you know, of course we had told our parents and, and our close friends, but we did keep it to ourselves. And this time we did not share it with our daughter because we were scared and we really didn't mm-hmm. want to burst through that again. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was just this past November and, uh, weeks ago. Yeah. yeah. And, um, we've, I have since seen my doctor a couple times you know I, we I did I did have another DNC again which was you know his recommendation I could have certainly passed it on my own but you know it's a lot of pain and it's a mess and who wants to you know sit on the toilet for four hours <laughs> um, yeah and, and do that you know so we did schedule another DNC they also tested the fetal tissue you know okay, even wondering yeah. yeah even though we put in a what we thought was a genetically normal baby girl, my doctor said, you know what, not everybody's perfect, let's test it and just see what happens. But it came back normal, um, so there was nothing. So at this point, we are still answerless, um, which is hard. I, you know, we went back in following the DNC for my follow-up appointment. Um, my doctor ran a full panel of, I don't even know what kind of tests, all this stuff I can't even pronounce to sure. check, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Because now I'm in the bucket of of recurrent pregnancy loss, you know, yeah. because I've had two, you know, 
they weren't, I don't want to call them late term, but, you know, 12 weeks and eight weeks. It wasn't, it was following a heartbeat. And so um, now it's still unexplained infertility, unexplained secondary infertility, but now I have recurrent pregnancy loss. And so um, he did that whole panel, of course, Everything comes back perfect. My numbers look great. You know, we thought, you know, for sure that was going to be the end of the road for us. But, you know, my husband and I just sat down and we just aren't ready to give up yet. And so now we've got to start all over from scratch. We do not have any more embryos left uh, because we Mm -hmm. just have one. And so now we're starting back at square one again. Um, I'm back on the on birth control, and we are prepping for another retrieval in January. So, so that's where we are. <laughs> oh, so, so fresh and raw for you that that last loss. That's it's hard, you know. There's no other way to describe it. I think that it's just sucks and it's hard. Oh, um, it is. It's a lot. It's and you know, as much as I like to, you know, my husband has been so supportive and just so wonderful, but, you know, he's not the one getting pumped with um, all of these hormones and meds day and night and multiple injections and, you know, all these appointments and, um, you know, poking and prodding and scanning. And it's like, it just, it really does wear on you. And and there has been so many times where I've told myself and others, like, I don't want to do this anymore. I can't, like, it's just too hard. But then when it doesn't work out, then you somehow like dig a little bit deeper and you just find a little bit more strength in there to just mm-hmm. try over time. And I feel like we've said this three or four times now, like, <laughs> you know, we're just going to do it one more time. Yeah. It's almost funny. You know, I hate to laugh about it, but you have to. And so here we are. <laughs> and yeah, we're going to try again. Yeah. We're going to yeah. try again. I just really might be it. I mean, we just, we're running out of money. So to be sure. frank, Sure. Then that happens. Well, and I think from talking to other women um, and men, it really is um, finding, you know, you have to be at peace to stop. You know, you have to be at peace with where you are. And sometimes, you know, sometimes with, with couples, it's, you know, Two losses. Sometimes it's nine, you know, or I've talked to someone that they did seven rounds of IVF, you know, but everyone has a a place where they're then at peace. Like we have done everything we could, you know, Um, but sometimes people, their insurance covers all of that, too, where with you, you know, it's a big expense, mm-hmm. you know, and I think a lot of times that's a big part of the deciding factor. It's not that they really, really want to stop, but financially and emotionally as well, there sometimes is a stopping point, you know. Yeah. You know, and, then, and then looking at something else possibly or just being happy with where where they're at. Mhm. Yeah. And um, you know, I don't know if how many people know a ton about the insurance and kind of how that works, but I can share a little bit of information there. Sure. sure. In the in the state of Illinois, it is a requirement that infertility coverage is provided. 
in the state of Illinois. There are not that many states out there that have that as right. a mandate, but the state of Illinois does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say that even if you are somebody that is um, using Obamacare or I forgot the alternate name for that, but, you know, Obamacare also includes infertility coverage if you live in the state of Illinois because mm-hmm. it's a now, here's a fun thing um, that's really unfortunate for my husband and I. So we are Illinois residents, and I'm on my husband's insurance, and he works at a facility that is located in the state of Illinois. But unfortunately, because his parent, the parent company, the headquarters are located in Virginia, and it is what is considered a self-funded insurance plan through his employer, mm-hmm. they they do not have to abide by the Illinois mandate, even though we live and work in Illinois. And so it's really, mm. it's a loophole, and it's very frustrating for us um, to not be able to get that cover, even though we do live in Illinois. And so we have right. to pay out of pocket for everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, right. So that's frustrating for sure. That is frustrating. You know, we are fortunate those that, and I live in Illinois as well, we are fortunate that we have that insurance, but it doesn't always cover. I mean, I've even talked to people like, you know, it depends on the company. They have to choose that to be part of the coverage, I believe, as well. And sometimes they'll only pay for medication. They won't pay for IVF and and all of it. It just depends on how the policy is. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's there's lots of loopholes, I guess is what I'm trying to say. There's lots of loopholes with that insurance as well. Yeah, there really is. And when speaking of medication, Teresa, our one thing I love about the current place that we go, uh, Fertility Partnership, they they have options for you when it comes to medication. So there are specialty pharmacies, you know, here in the United States that mm-hmm. offer types of specialty drugs, but they also have a partner in Israel that is a pharmacy in Israel that they are able to order these drugs from at a significant discounted rate. And even paying $200 for shipping to get these drugs shipped to us overnight, you know, in a freezer pack, I we still save thousands of dollars. I mean, I wow. probably half of what some of my friends have paid for our medication because we were we got it from Israel and not from the United States. Wow. So do your homework and do your research. I mean, ask questions. Like, there is not one straight answer for any of this, you know. Um, and that's yeah. what that I found just kind of throughout this whole thing. You know, don't you don't have to take the first answer for as black and white, and you know, or right or wrong. You know, there's there's a lot of options, and um, you know, we're very thankful that we found the doctor that we did because it even though it's still a very expensive, I, I can only imagine how much we would be paying yeah. with, with some of these other folks out there. You know, I hate to say that, but it's, yeah. the, it's the truth. Yeah, and I love that you said that. Really do your research, you know, um, because there are, even if you don't um, get the medication shipped from Israel or whatever, just different pharmacies in the area Mm-hmm. Um, I remember people driving over from Illinois to Missouri because the pharmacy in Missouri um, was much cheaper than Illinois. So really research that. You do not have to go with where you, you normally go or yep. what the doctor's suggesting or whatever. Really exactly. do your research. And I'm glad that you've done that and that you're sharing that. That is really important 
for the listeners to hear, you know. And and yeah. that other website that you said, the CDC dot dot com, was it dot com or dot gov? Um, dot, dot gov, dot yeah, dot gov. Yeah, you know, and like I had mentioned, our specialists—they were great. And I know so many people that go there that have had wonderful experiences, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. their prices are very high because you know what? They're running a business. Sure, they're, they're running a business, and I get that. And mm-hmm. had I not looked around the area and done a little digging, you know, my husband and I maybe have chosen not to even go the IVF route because we really felt that we could not afford it. But when I found our current provider and I was just shocked, I almost didn't believe it. I was like, this has got to be a scam, you know, mm-hmm. $8,000 where some are charging 20 and 25 for yeah. around yeah. IVF. Um, so anyway, we are just so thankful that we found him. He's just, he's a really wonderful yeah. doctor. Yeah, well, well, and I'm glad that you're sharing that, you know, because there are plenty of people listening um, that are still on that journey, like like you are, um, to to have a completed family. Um, so I'm glad that you shared all that information. That's great information, you know, really for our listeners to hear and know. And it, and if not them personally, everybody at least now we're we're doing a better job connecting people together. Um, to share all this information so yeah. that people aren't feeling quite as alone. Mm-hmm. You always feel alone, um, but there is support, which is, is which is kind of um, the next thing I'd like to talk about a little bit is where have you found support? Of course, through your husband, but, um, you know, you kind of indicated that he totally doesn't understand. Where are you finding support to support you through this journey? Because this is a difficult journey. Very difficult journey. Oh, oh Where's your support from? And well, with that, too, support with just the infertility and support as far as grief that goes along with the losses that you've had. Yes, for sure. Uh, so, you know, for me, um, you know, family and close friends, I have been very open about our journey. And as hard as it is to share those really happy highs, and then have to come back and deliver this terrible, terrible mm-hmm. news that you have shared those highs with, I would have much rather had those people there to support me along the way than to go through this in the dark. I uh, totally agree with you. And so for me, I have. I've been very open. Not, I'm not blasting it all over social media, but I speak about our journey, and I talk about it often with my friends, my close friends and family. Um, in addition to that, I'm in a lot of, I'm in a, you know, not a lot, but a couple of groups. You know, there are groups on Facebook for, you know, pregnancy and infant loss or people, you know, infertility groups and being in those groups, you know, even if I don't necessarily engage, just reading other people's things and saying, you know, I feel the same way and seeing other people's stories and, hear, you know, that helps a lot. And every once in a while, you might read a comment or hear another woman's story that just really touches you and you feel um, you feel pulled to to respond to her, whether that's publicly in a comment or a post, or maybe you can privately message that woman. And I have had strangers reach out to me because I think when you, when you find yourself on this journey, it's just, you feel very connected to those that are, that are on that journey with you. And mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, unfortunately, I also have uh, three friends of mine 
uh, and a sister-in-law that have also that are have either gone through it or they're still going through it. Um, and I don't know that I ever would have known that if we all wouldn't have been open about it. You know, you just you don't know what people are struggling with if you just keep it in all the time. And then the last comment I'll share is that I also sought help through a counselor. So I did, you know, there were some very dark times, you know, throughout this journey where I just really didn't feel like myself. Um, you know, you just, you get irritable, you get angry, and I needed, I recognized that, and I found a wonderful counselor, and, um, you know, she was a wonderful soundboard for me. Has she gone through the journey herself? No. But sometimes I think just speaking to somebody that is a third-party that is not your family or not your friend or your husband who feels like they need to give you some kind of, you know, some people feel like they need to say something to you because they know you. And this woman is very much external and I, you know, you just, you got to vent, you got to get it out. You got to find, find somebody to talk to. And I mean, I really feel like that's another just piece of advice that has really helped Mm -hmm. me as well. And I love and I love what you're doing, Teresa. This is fabulous because it's, hopefully it's going to continue to bring people together. Yeah, I believe so. And just grab information and nuggets that can help people, you know, through the journey, you know. And as I moved into the grief coaching, just exactly um, what you indicated, you know, there are times when you need to find someone outside family and friends that are all very much well-meaning but to find that other person that in your case didn't had experience what you're experiencing or someone that has experienced um, or that is very well educated in that is, is important as well. And, and that's, you know, really what, what I offer to people is um, a lot of background, a lot of knowledge in, in helping them. But I think, like you said, it is just so important um, especially when you're recognizing you're in a dark place um, and that you need to find that other support, um, that you seek it out. And that's kind of what I really wanted um, us to relate to the listeners, that seek out that help, you know, because it is, it does not have to be something that you go through totally alone. Mm -hmm. Um, I couldn't agree more. So, yeah, so, yeah, so thanks so much um, for sharing that. Anything, Trigger, anything else that you would like to share from your story or whatever um, that maybe came to mind? Yeah, nothing's coming to mind at this point. Okay, okay. You know, we've done a great job of kind of going back and forth, and, you know, the two yeah. things really I felt like were important for me was, you know, like I had mentioned, you know, doing that research and, and really mm-hmm. understand what your options are. And mm-hmm. yourself, um, and just continue to to talk it out, and don't, yeah, you know, it's all you can do, and and stay, mm-hmm. you know, keep your head up and stay positive. I really truly believe too, like uh, your emotional health um, has a strong connection with your, you know, physical health, and mm-hmm. so always important to me to to make sure that I had a good a good state of mind as we work through this. I also, just one more thing that popped in my head was I also did um, a little bit of acupuncture too. And mm. so I don't know how much that is going to really help from a fertility standpoint. I think there's a lot of beliefs out there, 
but just from a stress reliever, um, it was very relaxing um, time for me. And having that quiet time in a dark room to just lay there and really just kind of relax. It was very, it was a little bit almost like a med- meditative state. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was really helpful for me too when I was having some, you know, trying times. Sure, sure. Self-care mm-hmm. for is sure. very, very important. And I've heard good results with people with acupuncture as well for those that are struggling with infertility. So that I brought that, brought, glad you brought that up yeah. because it is another option. You know, there are, Lots of options out there, um, but everyone does have to find the best for them. Um, you know, and I'm, I have lots of resources. If someone's listening, um, you know, and needs some other resources um, for things to help, I can, I can surely do that for sure. So um, we always conclude with words of advice or encouragement. You've given quite a few right there <laughs> towards the end. Anything else that you would like to share? No, I, that covers it, Teresa. This sure. was great. Okay. I'm so thankful that you reached out to me, and yeah. I'm really excited to continue to follow your show. And I will certainly share this to to anyone I run into that I know is following this on this challenge. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you, and I am I am too very very grateful that you were willing to share, even being so raw for you right now. And I wish you, of course, the best of luck with that the next transfer, um, and that I'm hoping in 2022 I get good news from you. Yes, but, but there's well, another one on the way. So, very um, I appreciate. I'm, yeah, I'm here to support you if it, with anything that you need. And, and I know that we'll be in contact with each other. So thank you again so much for joining me today. Of course. You have a good one. Thanks again. Mm-hmm. I am just in awe of all the women and men and couples that I talk to on a daily, weekly basis that have experienced infertility or loss like Casey. She is a woman that is on the top of my list of amazingly strong and caring women. Like she indicated, she has done a lot of research and has shared, I'm sure, just a piece of that information, that knowledge that she has, because the episode is not long enough to share everything, I'm sure, that she knows. And I am just so thankful for her for coming on after just weeks after her most recent miscarriage. Casey wanted me to make sure you know that she is open and available to talk to anyone that could use some help or some support. And she can be found on Facebook or you can reach out to me and I can connect you to her. This episode has been of great value to me, and I hope it has to you as well. As I continue to learn with every episode, conversation, book, and training, my knowledge and passion is here to support and help you feel safe and heard through your journey. Remember to follow me on Instagram and join our communities on Facebook. And if you haven't already, please subscribe 
to the podcast so that you don't miss an episode. And as always, take a minute to share this podcast on your social social media or directly share it to your family or close friend so Casey, my other guest, and myself can help and give support to them. I know that when you share your story, it helps you feel heard and validated. And it always inspires others and gives them hope on their journey.